Having faith doesn't mean that you have to abandon your intellect. And today, Pastor David sets the stage for answers to tough questions about why we believe what we believe. Here's Pastor David. There is no God. That is what one young man named Francis thought in the 1970s. There is no God. Francis was a graduate student in physical chemistry, a scientist. He did not see any reason to think that there were any truths other than those that could be found by mathematics, physics, and chemistry. If there was no reason to believe that there were any truths beyond what you could find in those disciplines, there was no reason to believe that there was a God. Well, Francis, he went to medical school. He became Dr. Francis. And Dr. Francis uh, started to deal with patients, real people, right? Real people with real problems, real people in life and death situations. And as he started to deal with real people and real life and death situations, he started to change a little bit the way that he thought. And one day, one of his patients asked him, Doctor, what do you believe? This apparently shook him up a little bit. Francis started to think. He started thinking through some of the ideas that he had earlier rejected based on his belief that only science, you know, mathematics and physics and chemistry were the ways to find truth. And he, he started uh, realizing that although he loved science, it simply did not have the power to answer the questions that he was asking. Questions like, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Why does mathematics work anyway? If the universe had a beginning, who created it? Why are the physical constants in the universe so finely tuned to allow the possibility of complex life forms like us? Why do humans have a moral sense? What happens after we die? Here's the problem. Dr. Francis had always believed that, quote-unquote, faith was irrational. Right? Faith was based on pure emotion. But as he read the works of some authors like C.S. Lewis and others, he began to realize that belief in God might actually be entirely rational. He realized that there were strong arguments for the existence of God. Real arguments, not just appeals to emotion, not just believe, jump in, close your eyes and hope it works, but real rational arguments, reasonable reasons to believe. And this rocked Dr. Francis. It rocked his earlier belief that there is no God. He realized that the very statement, there is no God, was flawed. As G.K. Chesterton wrote, atheism is the most daring of all dogmas for it is the assertion of a universal negative. And for those of you who know much about logic, you recognize that an atheistic statement like there is no God has out of the gate all kinds of proving negative problems. He recognized that. Dr. Francis at this point was in a bind. 
The science that he had based his life on was not sufficient to give reasons for the answers to the questions that that patient asked him. Doctor, what do you believe? Well, Dr. Francis believed in God. He believed not just in God, but in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the transforming power of Jesus. And here's the deal. Dr. Francis Collins went on to become the director of the Human Genome Project and led a consortium of scientists to read out the 3.1 billion letters of the human genome, later saying that he now sees DNA, the information molecule of all living things, as God's language and the elegance and complexity of our own bodies and the rest of nature as a reflection of God's plan. Dr. Collins is a famous scientist and a believer in Jesus Christ, and he does not see any conflict in being both. Dr. Francis Collins does not see any conflict because there is no conflict. There is no conflict. Lord willing, we will spend the next few weeks walking through a series answering some of the most important questions that humans ask. For those of you who are here in church, maybe for the first time, you may think it's slightly unexpected for a sermon from a pastor to start by talking about science and scientists and things like that. All I can say is welcome to Acts Church. Uh, We are very serious about thinking. We care deeply about reason and logic and strong thinking. For those who may be asking why we would take the time on Sunday mornings during a sermon to talk about these kinds of questions, the answer is actually relatively simple. We believe that the Bible is true. We care about the Bible. We believe it's the inspired Word of God. It's the revelation, the revealed Word of God to human beings. And it helps one to understand the Bible if one understands how to understand. That may be a little confusing. We understand how to understand by learning how to think well. And we believe, here's the thing, we believe that people are dying and going to hell. Now, later in this series, we'll get to hell. We won't get to hell. We'll talk about hell later. It might feel that way. I don't know. These, we'll talk about hell later. But, there's, but there are people dying and going to hell. And here's the thing. We care about them. We care about them. And here's the thing. We know you can read. You can get one of these, pick them up, and read it. And here's the deal. We know it's complicated. We know it brings up all kinds of questions that are not really easy to answer. And because we care about you, just like when Dr. Francis Collins was searching out answers, I'm sure there were those who came alongside him, we want to come alongside you. We are not serving you well, or we are not honoring you if we pretend like there are not any hard questions with complicated answers. Christianity and the Bible, these are books for, for big boys and girls. This is, this is an adult book. This is, a, this is a book that adults need to understand. Um, I'm really getting in trouble today. Um, Pastor David says, Bible is an adult book. Um, 
That song of Solomon can get pretty. Anyway, well, listen. We believe that, that we have to take seriously, seriously, the complicated nature of understanding God. If you thought God was supposed to be super simple and everything should be really easy, you don't understand very much about science, the complexity of the body that you're walking around in, the complexity of the world that God created, the complexity, the beautiful intricacy of theology, the way that things weave from the first page to the last in this book over thousands of years by many, many authors, but all inspired by one Holy Spirit and how it all works out. If you don't understand that there's a lot to walk through there, you're going to find out. You're going to find out because people do and should demand answers. People demand answers to those questions, those difficult questions. And we, as believers in Jesus Christ, are commanded to give them those answers. Do you know that? 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We believe that we are to give a reason for the hope within. See, I have a hope within. I have a hope that as Jesus Christ was resurrected, that I also will see the resurrection myself. I have that hope, and I've got to give you a reason why I believe in that, why I hope for that, right? I hope that the Washington Huskies will win the national championship. Come on, it's not that, serious. But that's probably not going to happen based on the laughing. I'm thinking that you guys don't think so either, um, but they did win yesterday, okay? Um, you can have all kinds of hopes, but I have a real hope in the resurrection, and I have a lot better reasons for that hope than I have reasons for thinking that Washington Huskies might win the national championship. Okay, we have real reasons. We believe that Christians should be the best thinkers because our beliefs dictate that we ourselves as humans and that the world are God's perfect, although fallen through human sin, perfect creation. That means we value the mind. We value the mind. There has been a false intellectual gap put upon us in society of late between those who believe in God and follow Jesus Christ and those who do not. And that gap that one knows a lot and that the other doesn't know much is untrue. It's unfair. It's undeserved. It's that gap that you read about in those Reddit threads. Now, I know that Everyone over 30 lost me on Reddit. Reddit, it's, it's like an internet thing where it's got a lot, a lot of atheists are on there. It's basically guys in their mom's basement, in their pajamas, typing away, you know. But, but here's the thing. They are typing on Reddit the things that they're hearing, reading, and so on from their favorite atheists, popular atheists. And the basic tagline is this. Christians is dumb, right? Christians are dumb. Atheists are smart. Christians don't think science is real. They don't think the earth is round. They think that the tooth fairy brings them coins. Oh, I'm sorry. I, there's a young guy up here. You're fine. Brings you coins. Of course, now it wouldn't be coins, right? When we were kids, it was coins. Now the kids are probably getting like five bucks, ten bucks a tooth, um, which I'll sell you my teeth for that price. So... 
Atheists understand all the complexities of scientific thought and are just plain more sophisticated. A lot of them have English accents and everything, okay? I hope that you'll see today and through the course of this series over the next several weeks that this belief that some atheists hold and try to, try to put out there, propagate, is nonsense. It's nonsense. But I don't want to hide the ball from you on one thing. This is the church. And this series of sermons and everything else that we do here is ultimately about Jesus, okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is about tearing down bringing down strongholds. This is about casting down arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God because we believe that the battle, the battle for the mind, for the heart, soul, is a spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, we read this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, if you're a skeptic, you came in here today, you're, you may be hitting the brakes with me right now, right? You're going, okay, see, I knew it talking about the devil and he's talking about spiritual stuff and all that stuff. This isn't going to be scientific. This isn't going to be evidence-based at all. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. First of all, yes, we believe in all that stuff. We have reasons. I mean, this is a church. We have reasons to believe in that stuff. The question is not, do we believe it? That's not the question that you have to ask during the series. The question is the same question you have to ask yourself about why you reject it. And that question is this, do we have good reasons to believe what we believe? Do you have good reasons to reject what we believe? Ultimately, that's the test. Dr. Francis Collins, he believes in all this stuff, and he mapped the human genome. So you cannot simply cast this stuff aside as something that only anti-intellectual, dumb Christians think. Okay? You can't do that. The bottom line is we are not here today to just try to convince people to change their minds about what they believe so we can feel good about ourselves. We are here because we believe that what we believe is true, that it's really true, and it has an impact on the present existence and future eternal reality of every human being. And there are reasons to believe that that's true. We are called as believers to work Hard at thinking well. And thinking well is hard work. Let me just say up front so that we're on the same page. The kind of stuff I'm going to do, Lord willing, over the next few weeks can sometimes be difficult. I talk relatively quickly, and you may not get everything the first time through. And so it's all going to be on video, Lord willing. Hopefully the video cameras work. Um, and it's not the reason it's difficult is not because you have a hard time learning. The reason it's difficult is because the material is difficult. And you may have to watch the video 
afterwards. You may have to watch it several times. Here's the thing. You got to do the work. You got to do the work if you want to know how to think well about these things because you are totally able to interact with this content. There are people who tell me, you shouldn't go to a church or public, you know, whether it's a church or whether it's a TED Talk or whether it's whatever it is. You shouldn't go into a normal public general audience place and try to talk about this kind of stuff because people don't get it. Well, I completely disagree with that philosophy. I believe that everyone in this room, everyone listening on podcast, radio, wherever you're hearing this, that all of you have the ability to interact with this content, to understand it, and to work with it, okay? We, we have the ability to do that. God has given you all incredible minds, and the Holy Spirit can come along and help wherever there's a gap there. But it doesn't mean it's not hard. I was a philosophy major in college, and I remember going into some of these classes, and I'd have read, you know, we read all this stuff, and you show up for class, and you're going to discuss this stuff, and I've read the same thing that these other people read. But when they get in there, they're like, the hypotenuse of the blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was all kind of Greek to me. Um, you know, I'm just trying to sort of figure it out. And they totally got it. And I remember feeling, ugh, because it was hard work. It was hard work to understand this stuff. And I had to do a lot of hard work to get it. And you'll have to do a lot of hard work to get it. So if it's feeling like, uh, this is a little, it's a little past what I would expect from a Sunday morning sermon. It's like that on purpose. It's like that on purpose. Okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. As believers, we want to understand as well as we can the things that we believe, right? And for the skeptic, we want to introduce you to Jesus Christ by showing you that there are good and rational reasons to change your beliefs. Better reasons than the reasons that you would hold on to your beliefs. That's what we believe, that Christianity is actually the best, the most reasonable, the most rational belief system on the market of ideas period. That's what we believe. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. Now, there are honest and dishonest skeptics, okay? There are honest and dishonest Christians. The honest skeptic asks honest questions and seeks honest answers and interacts with the, with the content and thinks through it, okay? The dishonest skeptic has no intention of listening to anything at all. The dishonest skeptic is just looking for ways to argue. They're going to believe what they believe from the, when they walked in the door to when they walk out. It doesn't matter what you say or what you do. I don't know why you would waste your time if that's the case. And by the way, there are Christians like that too. There are people of, all, of every idea who don't listen, who don't engage. All I would say is we're inviting you in if you're a skeptic to this sermon and to this series because we respect you and we care about you because we think you're smart and we want to keep it real with you, and we want to give you what you need to be able to interact with this material because we think it's true and we think it's important. So all I'm asking is that if I'll keep it real, will you please give the content a fair shot? That's all I'm asking. I'll also, I'm always available to meet one-on-one and walk through this information or listen to you and engage with your objections that you have. I actually love doing that. It's one of my favorites. I enjoy it. So um, I make an effort when I do this kind of stuff, not to lie to you, obviously, right? But what that means is that I do my research, okay? I, I don't fly off half-cocked. I can support the things I say, and I actually believe all the things that I'm telling you, okay? I think that's important for us to know. And during this sermon series, I want you to ask yourself something as we walk through. This is what I want you to ask yourself. What would it take for me to believe in and follow Jesus Christ? What would it take? What kind of evidence 
would it take? And I want you to ask yourself, when you decide what the level of evidence, I want you to ask if that's the same level of evidence that you required before you made the lifelong decision to get married to your spouse. Or the same level of evidence, the same amount of evidence that you needed to believe that Julius Caesar was a real person. What level of evidence did you need for that? Or to believe that Sioux City, Iowa exists. You ever seen a picture of Sioux City? Hmm? You ever been there? Maybe a couple people? Don't believe them. It does not exist. No, I'm kidding. But the fact is most of us haven't been to Sioux City, Iowa, or probably even seen a picture of Sioux City, Iowa, but most of us believe it exists, right? What kind of evidence did we need for that? And all I'm asking is you be fair about your belief and about the amount and level of evidence that it takes for you to believe something. Because if you're not fair about it, if you set the bar so high that it could never be matched, Jesus has to send me a personal letter, then he's got to deliver it personally, and he's got to write it on a unicorn. He's got, if that's got to be the thing, if you, if you need that level of evidence, then you're not an honest skeptic. Okay, that's not intellectually honest. Anything else is just dogmatic atheism. And why bother? Well, with that as our introduction, next time Pastor David will begin answering some of these questions beginning with, how do we know that the things we believe are true? I hope you'll join us. And remember, if you have questions about any of this, we'd love to help. Call us at 360-885-9000 or use email info at axchurchnw.org. We'd love to help you find hope and peace in the truth of Jesus. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for being here, and we'll look for you next time here on Contemplate.